Welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those visiting with us today. We're just delighted that you're here with us. On each one of the pews, you'll find a friendship pad. It's near the center aisle. It's a black folder. And we'd love to have you fill it out and pass it down so that we can see who's here with us today. Uh, there's a, the announcements of the life of the church are in your connections that you'll find inside of the bulletin. This afternoon, at, today, this morning at 11.15, after the second service, the group that traveled to Greece is going to be talking about their trip and showing pictures over in Tank Hall, and we are going to have some wonderful Greek food. I happen to know that Annika Fallis is bringing two big trays of baklava, so that may be enough to get you to come, even if you don't want to listen to us. Super sweet. Uh, so we hope that you'll come and join us at 11.15 over in Tank Hall. Next Sunday, we are, uh, we are pleased to be hosting Dr. Ronald White, he is a distinguished scholar in American church history, American history. He is particularly a scholar of the presidents of Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and you will be, I'm sure, just delighted to hear Ron. He will be preaching in both services in the morning. In the morning, he'll be talking about leadership as it was shown in Abraham Lincoln, and in the evening, he will, be doing, he will be talking about leadership as shown in Ulysses S. Grant. The evening is 4 p.m. Uh, somebody just told me on the church calendar online, it's wrong. It says 5, but it's at 4 that he's going to be speaking in the afternoon. So both services in the morning next week, and then in the afternoon, a different talk at 4 p.m. And Ron will also have his books available for signing and for purchase. It's a great day to be able to host Ron. He's a wonderful guy. He was, Steve and I both had him as professor um, at Fuller Seminary. He's terrific. Uh, also, there is a blood drive coming up in about 10 days. The Red Cross says there is a blood emergency. Very few uh, people are giving these days because so many people have been caught up in disasters themselves. There are actually surgeries having to be delayed because there is no blood. So they, if you have not ever given blood, this is your chance to learn how that goes. Or if you have given blood, it is very needed at this time. Our students leave for Forest Home 
this afternoon, and so they ask that you'll pray for them throughout this coming week. Uh, Steve, you have how many people going? 75 people. So the traffic will be better in Laguna Beach all week long, right? And tomorrow at 11 o'clock is a service in memory of Bonnie Changstrom as we celebrate her life. So we hope that you'll join us here at 11 to celebrate Bonnie's life. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Loving God, you are always more ready to bestow your good gifts upon us than we are to seek them. You're more willing to give than we desire or deserve. So give us hearts to know your love as we come to worship you this morning through Christ our Lord. Amen. Will you join me in the responsive call to worship that you'll find printed in the bulletin? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy are those who take refuge in him. Let us stand and praise God together.
Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer us, for we are poor and needy. You, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call on you. 
Trusting in God's goodness, we confess the truth about ourselves before God and before one another. Let us pray responsively. Ever faithful God, how often we turn away from you, yet you remain constant to us. Even when we run from you, you call us back. Even when our words and our deeds dishonor you, you still profess your love for us. Even when we cut ourselves off from others and from you, you will not let us go. Ever faithful God, from our faithless and fickle ways, have mercy on us and forgive us. Increase in us a spirit of gratitude so that we might grow in faithfulness to you for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. And so we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. When we were buried with Christ in baptism, we were also raised with him through faith and the power of God. By that power, we are made clean and set free to live in gratitude and to love with zeal. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Amen. Amen. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray. Upon the mountain, when my Lord spoke, out of God's mouth came fire and smoke. All around me, it looked so fine Till I asked my Lord if all was mine Every time I feel the Spirit Moving in my heart, I will pray Every time I feel the Spirit Moving in my heart, I will pray Jordan River, the Jordan River, the chilly and cold. cold. It chills the body, the body but not the soul. There ain't but one train that's on this track. It runs to heaven and then right back. Every time I feel the Spirit moving in my heart, I will pray.
Well, I feel like I'm a little bit like Lazarus coming forth from the dead. Today we talk about prayer, and I'm liable to say some rather outlandish things. Prayer is not what we think it is. Interesting, isn't it? I'd like to read Luke chapter 11, the first 13 verses, and remember that in biblical interpretation and gospel interpretation, The red print is interpreted by the black print, if you have a red print Bible. Never forget that. The red print is interpreted by the black print. You cannot take the red print by itself. It's always a context of something Jesus is doing that he teaches. And that's the way this is structured. It is what Jesus does and then what Jesus teaches. Luke 11, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Then Jesus continued to say to them, Suppose one of you has a friend. And you go to that friend at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. For a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Don't bother me. One of my favorite lines in Scripture. I think we use that line a lot unintentionally. Don't bug me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if the child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Word of the Lord. We have the Lord's Prayer, I believe, in almost every worship service in our Presbyterian tradition. However, we treat it like a musical score. I've got the music in my hands, therefore I must know how to play it. Well, we all know that you can have a wonderful score 
but don't have a clue on how it's played. And that's the struggle with the text. That's the struggle with having the prayer printed in the bulletin. Why? We've got the score. But we've forgotten that it's meaningless without practice, 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 practice. Not only that, but in the metaphor of practice makes perfect, in order for it to become art, you not only have to practice, but you have to be free from the score itself to be able to play it with life and energy and nuance and who you are as a human being. And that's why Jesus teaches a basic score, but what he's really trying to pull us into is a long-term practicing relationship. Many of us think of prayer as asking for what we want and need. It's ask, ask, ask. If you don't ask, you won't get. After all, that's what it says in the text here. If you don't knock, the door's not going to be open. We forget that prayer is foundationally not just talking. It is also listening. Some Christians would actually go as far to say, if God doesn't give you what you want or you what you need, you aren't praying right. Anybody ever tell you that? God's not answering your prayer because you're a terrible prayer. You lack faith. If you had enough faith, God would give you whatever you ask. That's what the Bible says, isn't it? Those are the kind of people I just want to crush. Not really crush them, but, you know, metaphorically speaking. They look at the text as if it's some kind of guarantee, a formula, a slam dunk, a home run, a completed Hail Mary. If you do this, then God's going to do this. God's promised. If It's your problem if God doesn't produce. Hmm. I would like to offer that this prayer teaching pivots around three words. It pivots around the meaning of the word prayer. It pivots around the mistranslation of the Greek word that is translated persistence here, because the Greek word doesn't mean persistence. And it pivots around the word good, which is contrasted with evil. Those three words, think of those three words as a pervasive way of thinking of the text. It is structured in seven sections. It is one of the cleanest, purest forms of the way Jesus probably taught on a regular basis. And it starts with what? Jesus' example. Jesus never taught anything he didn't already do. Have you ever taught something you didn't do? That's part of our brokenness, to try to teach something we don't do. Preachers are notorious for that. We're not supposed to teach anything we don't do. The disciples make a request because they see Jesus practicing prayer and they say, well, Jesus really has a special connection to God, so if Jesus teaches us how to pray, we too will have a special connection to God. Now, it's not as though they'd never prayed in their life. Most Jewish trained men would have very structured prayer lives. 
So they weren't asking for the typical structure. They were asking for Jesus' nuance. Jesus gives them a model prayer. Different than the model prayer we have in Matthew, which we call the Lord's Prayer, this is probably better rendered as the disciples' prayer. Jesus is saying, here's how you should pray. And it's the shortest, most abbreviated version. It's followed by a story or a parable of who God is and who we should be. Then it's followed by some core teaching about requests. Those are imperatives. Do this. And then that's followed by a couple more metaphors about what is good and what is evil. And God gives good gifts, parents give good gifts, and God is better than parents. And this is one of the hard things. Parents are evil, God is good. Whoa, what do you do with that one? And the final conclusion is the best gift that God gives is the Holy Spirit. The best gift that God gives is the Holy Spirit. That's worth examining. Prayer, the term itself, actually means moving toward another person's desires. Pros eukomai, moving toward another person's desires. When I pray, I move towards God's desires And here's the amazing thing. It also means an exchange, a conversation. Prayer is an exchange of God's desires and our desires, and we are moving toward each other. Prayer is not one-way communication, as if we do all the talking and God does all the listening. Prayer is both listening and talking. It is asking and listening and growing, and changing, and maturing. Prayer and the conversation is moving toward God, and God moving toward us, and the more we practice it, the closer we get to God, and the closer God comes to us. It's a growing phenomenon. It is transformational. If we do not practice the whole process of prayer, we won't grow. Listening and asking are both crucial leadership traits of maturity. They're both leadership traits of prayer. The prayer model itself, the one that Jesus taught the disciples, is actually a conversation. The first two statements are what God says to us, and the last three statements are what we say back to God. Who tells us that God is holy? Who tells us that God wants the kingdom to come? God does. We can ask for a lot of things, but they're always in the context of God telling us something about himself. God says, I am holy. Hold my nature and my name in high esteem. I have a purpose and an agenda for all of life, and that is to bring in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So make some space for me in your life on a regular basis as you recognize my specialness and my purpose. In that context, then we go on to offer three requests. God, give us our daily bread. God, forgive us our sins. That's attached to as we forgive others. 
And finally, God, don't bring us into trouble or trial or temptation. And by the way, all three of them have implied in them the way the second one is written. So let me restate it. God, give us our daily bread as we give it to others. Forgive us our sins as we forgive others. Don't bring us into trouble or trial and help us not to bring others into trouble or trial. In other words, every prayer we offer is to be embodied in what we do for other people if God does it for us. That's the way God brings in the kingdom. When we ask for things, God says, I give this to you so you can share it with others. God, make me a wealthy person. Granted, I'm giving you the money so you can give it away to other people. No, no, God, that's not what I had in mind. That's not American. But that's implied in the prayer. If we're listening, God is speaking. St. Ignatius was one of those people that was looking for a practical way to involve persons in the gospel practice of life. He had looked to some others in the patterns of their orders, and he had realized that almost none of them were helping them actually give concrete, practical ways to help people grow in their faith. So Ignatian worked an entire lifetime to come up with exercises people could practice that would actually help them grow in their faith and relationship with God. And he eventually called those spiritual exercises. And he would basically say this about the spiritual exercises. They bring us into prayer as a conversation with Papa or Daddy to help us move from becoming babies to adults, to help us from immaturity to maturity. After all, a baby prays differently than a mature adult does, we hope. There are some mature adults walking around still praying like babies. And sometimes we want our babies to act like adults. No, there's a growth process in the prayer. Prayer is an intimate, personal, candid, honest, vulnerable conversation with God. It is about the ministry, and St. Ignatius called the ministry the conversation. To talk with each other, to build a friendship, to be conversant about and with each other, how God talks with us and how we talk with God. Leadership doesn't just talk. Isn't it interesting that we pay a lot of our preachers to do a lot of talking? Actually, we should be paying them just as much to do a lot of listening. I've been cautioning you for a long time, don't hire a leader who only talks. You're looking for a pastor? Hire one who listens well. Because that's the nature of God. God listens really well. God also speaks. Ron White is coming to us this next week, and as it happens, this past week I received a brand new book from a friend of mine, and it is about listening to leaders, or leaders who listen. And Ron White is in the last chapter as an interview on listening. And this is what Ron White has to say about Abraham Lincoln. Young Abraham Lincoln 
was arrogant and sarcastic and hurtful. He could cut a person up with a few words. You didn't want to say something to him because he would slice you up. How did he change? He had to grow into leadership that listened. And he spent a lot of time listening and not talking. You know that his speeches are some of the shortest in history? And he spends a lot of time listening to people. Can you imagine having a president like that? Can you imagine having a leader like that? That's the way God is. God spends most of the time listening and a little bit of time talking. And so Ron White's point is, Abraham Lincoln learned to listen to people, learned to listen to God, and learned to listen to the Bible. He became a really good listener and a follower of Christ. Because he listened. I encourage you to take in what Ron White has to say about Ulysses S. Grant and Abraham Lincoln next week. In some ways, it might blow out your stereotypes. The second piece of this story is really about the parable itself. And the parable is often summarized by persistence, but actually that word doesn't exist in the text. It's translated, mistranslated in both the King James and the New Revised Standard Version. So what you've ever learned about the meaning of this text, throw it away. Because the key word is not persistence. And you know the reason why we misinterpret it? Is because it only appears once in the entire Bible. And people are still trying to figure out what it means. But most recently, it has come to be understood that it means no shame. No shame. Talk Ask for things with no shame. It is because of the shamelessness of the person who's asking for the three loaves of bread that the person who is asleep gets up and gives it to him. Now this says something about our shamelessness in prayer. Do not be ashamed to ask God for something. That's what the text means. Ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Don't be ashamed to do that. Well, I couldn't ask God for some things. Why not? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Kenneth Bailey, who is a Middle Eastern scholar and who was a Presbyterian pastor who lived in the Middle East for many, many years, said, if you cannot understand the parables in light of Middle Eastern uh, culture, then you will never understand them. Those of you who've been to Greece know that if you can't read the Apostle Paul having understood the depth of Greek culture, you're probably missing it. Any uh, people went to Greece here? You remember hearing that? That's one of our struggles as Americans, by the way. We're so removed from the culture of the reality of the teaching that we often miss it. And this is a case in point. So Kenneth Bailey says, hospitality was an ancient pattern and norm. It would have been an embarrassment for anybody to turn down somebody knocking at their door at midnight. It isn't right for this person to say, no way am I going to get up and give you bread. The disciples would have been 
aghast with that interpretation. The disciples would have all said, well, of course we're going to give up and give him bread. He's one of our neighbors. He's a part of our village. That's what we do in our village. It's a norm. So why would Jesus turn it into such a misbehavior? Because he's trying to hyperbolize a very strong statement about the nature of God. If it's a norm for people to get up at midnight and give their neighbors bread, then how much more will God be available to you anytime because God is hospitable, God's a part of the village, and God will give you what you ask for. That's the hospitality of God. It's not about how long you persist in prayer. I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard over the years. You know, you don't have it because you haven't asked enough. You haven't beaten the door down enough. You haven't stormed the gates of heaven enough. You haven't broken down the gates of hell to get through enough. No, you simply haven't asked, clearly. That's the key issue. And so, it's not about persistence, it's about shamelessness. I have no shame in asking God for whatever I need. That's prayer. The last point is this, God is good. Why would we ask God for things? Because God never gives bad gifts. And then you have to ask yourself the question, like has been asked many times, why do bad things happen to good people? And sometimes we actually get lost in trying to explain that by saying, well, it's all in God's plan. Oh, I am so tired of hearing that crap. And I'm going to say it for what I believe it is. God is not the author of evil and meanness. Somebody else is doing that to you. Now, it's true, God doesn't always stop it. God doesn't always intervene. But God's goodness is pervasive in the presence of the evil. And we are appealing to a good God in the terrible circumstances that we live in, and God is only interested in pouring out good. Don't blame the bad stuff on God. God is good. And God is so good, by the way, if you're a parent, and this is the way Jesus ends it, parents will give good gifts to their kids and the parents are messed up. Don't you love that text? Well, the parents are messed up and they're going to give good gifts. How much more will God, who's not messed up, give good gifts to, their, to his kids? I, I knew you would probably think I was nuts. I should go back and deal with my kidney problems. This past month, while I was going through my own difficulties, I lost two important people. A pastoral friend who died in Virginia suddenly at the age of 55 because he had sepsis. He came home from a trip to see a family. Within three days, he was dead after being perfectly healthy. He died suddenly of sepsis. He's a really good guy. One of the one of the really good pastors I've ever met. Died young. The other one was, I heard the story of one of my good elder friends in Dallas, Texas, who I'd spent most of my time with, the elder from finance and personnel and all sorts of things that were important in the church. His daughter was killed suddenly in an automobile accident in New Mexico, the age of 29. 
And he and his wife, leaders in that church, were both shocked. Now, both of these are good people. Why would God allow that to happen? Please do not blame those moments on God. Sepsis, which is a really nasty thing, has snuck into the world as an evil presence and takes lives suddenly. Cancer, heart heart attacks, all sorts of evil things that come into our lives, they're not what God wants. But they will get us. And so what is the promise? That we have a good God in the midst of terrible, terrible stuff. And I'll say one more thing about that right at the end. And so the comparison here is, if we human beings, as messed up as we are, will give good gifts to people, how much more will God give good gifts to those who ask for them? And the best gift is the Holy Spirit. Now let me go back to the beginning. The Holy Spirit is the relationship between the Father and the Son. One of the statements, one of our creeds says, the Holy Spirit emanates from the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is the relationship builder. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps us to listen and to speak. It is the one who comes alongside of us, but is also God with us. And so the Holy Spirit literally is the conversation among us and in us. And what Paul says is that conversation happens whether we know it or not. And it sometimes happens when all we can do is groan. You ever get to a point in your life where all you can do is groan and moan? The Holy Spirit's talking. I know because I was in the hospital groaning and moaning at the beginning of the month. Holy Spirit was talking. One of my lifetime prayers is, Lord, help me lose some weight. Well, say that's a dumb question. Just go out and lose some weight. No, for me it was hard. It wasn't easy. In the last year, I've lost 50 pounds. In the last two months, I've lost 30 pounds of that 50. God answered my prayer, but I had to go through hell to get there. <laughs> you ever been there and you answered your prayer? God answered our prayers, but we had to go through hell to get there. I would submit to you that that's the way most prayers are answered, actually. God, answer my prayer. And God's whispering, are you sure you really want to do this? (laughs) Yes? Okay, let's go for it. And one of the reasons is because in the time of trial, in the time of pain, we are so tempted to become obnoxious. And what the Spirit is whispering to us the entire time we're in pain and we don't feel like it and we're moaning and groaning is, you need to be as good as the Holy Spirit is good in you while you are in pain. Is there any harder time to be good than when you're in pain? And that's the maturity of prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for showing us. Thank you for being good. Thank you for bringing us into the conversation. For you are.
goodness in the midst of all the craziness and difficulty and pain of the world. Help us to be in your good presence through Christ we pray. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, you are one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Jesus Christ, you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And before we know what to ask, you are fashioning out of your love everything that we need. And so we pause and we look back to give you all the glory for Vacation Bible School and Club H2O ministry that took place over this month for all of the children and families of our church and our community that participated. May they continue to grow in their faith and hope in you, and may you continually draw them here through your grace to know you, to love you, to serve you, and to enjoy you. And we look forward now when we lift up over the 70 children, students, leaders, and families going to Forest Home this week, leaving in just a few short hours. May you prepare our hearts and minds to hear your word, to grow in our trust in you, to build friendships and community, and to thoroughly enjoy this week. And we pray this morning that you would renew in your whole church the passionate desire for the coming of your kingdom, which unites all Christians in one mission to the world, that we would all grow up together into him who is our head, Jesus, the Savior of the world. We ask this in his name. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy
Please be seated. So as the prayer goes, any prayer that we ask, it becomes immediately mutual and reciprocal. Lord, give us this day the money we need to make it work. And a little bit more. And Lord, help us to give that money to others who need to make it work too. And so we share what God gives to us. That's the way the prayer goes. And so when we have these opportunities in worship, let us remember the art of prayer. Whatever we ask for, God says, I will give it to you. And then you can share it with others. Let us give accordingly. See 
Sovereign God, as you continually pour out your blessings upon us, we offer with joy and thanksgiving what you have first given to us, ourselves, our time, and our possessions, as signs of your gracious love. Receive them for the sake of him who offered himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you need prayer this morning, we want to encourage you to come forward to meet with our prayer ministers. They would love to pray with you and for you. So, if you have a lot of unanswered questions about prayer after that sermon, then you are in touch with reality. It's a mystery. And so, don't let the mystery go unnoticed. Jesus says what Jesus says, and they're true, but there's an awful lot of mystery in the process of experiencing the maturing words of prayer. We will go into the world today and pray for ourselves and one another and our prayers will ripple out to the people around us because God wants the kingdom to come. I invite you now to look at the charge and the blessing that you have to join with me in the bulletin. As we have received Christ Jesus, let us continue to live our lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him and abounding in thanksgiving relying on the gift of the Holy Spirit, by whose power we breathe and move and pray. Amen.